the Extraordinary Moms podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and a lesson that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way, and we should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 33 of the podcast fantastic episode for you today that will leave you a lot of food for thought and leave you really examining yourself, your parenting, and hopefully leave you with some great ideas to make some improvements. My guest today is Andrea Libras. She really helps people to clarify and examine the mental capacity that they have, the mental energy that they're giving up and sacrificing without even knowing it a lot of times. And she is so, so good at that. She talks about how early on in her motherhood, she was more of a reactive parent, and now she has transitioned to be more responsive and more intentional with the way that she behaves and models healthy behaviors for her kids and thought processes and all that stuff. She is just such a great, incredible mom, and I love the thought work that she has done that has gotten her to this point, and I know you're going to love getting to hear from her as well. So let's get to my conversation with Andrea Libras. All right, I'm so excited to be chatting with Andrea Libros today. Hi, Andrea. Hey, Jessica. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am wonderful. Good. I am so excited to be chatting with you. Where do you live? Um, I live in Carmel, Indiana, which is just outside of Indianapolis. Amazing. Is that where you grew up or is that where you're originally from? No, I did not grow up here, Um, although we've lived here since 2000, so we've been here a while. Mm -hmm. I grew up just outside of Boston, so all of my family is East Coast. Awesome. I lived in Michigan for a few years, and so I love that part of the country and all the falls and the apple orchards and, oh, the homemade donuts. Like, I just just love that time of year. It's a great place to live. It is. It's easy living here. Very easy. Well, I can't say all the time, but it's easier living here than it is on the East Coast, at least in my humble opinion. Yeah, it's a different pace. And even for people that are kind of wanting that type of pace, simply because of proximity to, you know, how traffic is or, you know, how much money people make and and things like that and how much it costs to live. Mm -hmm. Those factors change your ability to accomplish living the type of life you might want. To ultimately live, right? So sometimes you do need to change yeah. your location. Yeah, it's true. We moved here. I mean, it was a conscious choice to move here. Okay. So, I mean, part job opportunity, but also it, we just thought it would be um, easier, a better place to raise kids. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's all it's all where you are at that moment. But Absolutely. It's, it's been a great experience. Well, interesting. Well, Andrea, for people that may not know you, will you give me a little bit of a taste of your background and who you are? Sure. I am mom to an almost 18-year-old boy right now who's going to be a senior last week of school here. And then I am mom also to a 15-year-old girl who Mm -hmm. is completing her freshman year of high school. Mm -hmm. I've been married to my husband for a long time, 23 years. He is a physician. And um, we did move here because of a job for him. Mm -hmm. So that's how we got here. Yeah. so as, as you have teenagers now, what was your impression of what raising teenagers would be like before you got to that stage? So I had a neighbor who once told me my kids were little, and she said, little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. 
I have to kind of agree with her. So little kids, you've got lots and lots constant, right? There's always something to take care of physically with them or even mentally with them. So lots of little problems that stack up. Mm-hmm. Teenagers, there's not as many little problems. It's bigger things. And it takes up more mental energy than physical energy, hmm. I've found. Um, because you're thinking for them and you're thinking in your adult mind about their future and how their decisions can affect their future. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I was doing that when my kids were three, four, and five as often, mm. at least. So she was a wise neighbor. Little kids, little problems. Big kids, big problems. Yeah, for sure. I just saw an article circulating around the internet talking about how when you have littles and even just your very first, you think it's so hard and it's so much, but kind of like just you wait kind of mentality. Like it gets harder, mm-hmm. it gets different, whatever. And and then there's been a lot of controversy around that sentiment because there's a lot of support, I think, and acknowledgement of how hard those early years are, the transition for a mom, the, you know, endless to-dos with toddlers who are in constant need of their caregiver, things like that. But really, where is the support and acknowledgement of that later transition where it's, yeah, it can be bigger problems, it's more emotional, we're hoping that our kids are solving more of their own problems. And sometimes that becomes a problem, <laughs> right? If they're not yes. you know, doing certain things the way that maybe we had hoped or what we thought things would look like and things like that. And so I'm not making a case for any season that's harder or less hard than the other. But I think the point is every season has its challenges and its beauties. And then you move into a new season and yes, the grass is greener in some ways and then it's different and challenging in others. And there's adjustment that needs to happen. Anytime there's adjustment, there's going to be some discomfort. I think that's just the nature. What do you think? I completely agree. I don't think one's harder than the other, um, but th- it's different. Mm-hmm. And um, you made a point about how you have to let go and kind of let them make some decisions on their own. That's hard. Mm-hmm. You can't just jump in to their, and you can't rescue them as much as you used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have, and you see them fail in bigger or different ways, maybe more emotionally harder than they, than the fails of falling down when you're learning to walk. Um, so it's, that is hard. Mm. That's hard as to parent teens. Plus you've got all the other teen, teenage things that go on, but, um, parenting through decision-making with a teen is very challenging. Hey everyone. I wanted to jump in really quick and thank one of our show sponsors and that is Bloom. So I have a question for you. Do you know what's in your deodorant? <laughs> Honestly, I'm embarrassed to even say this, but I didn't really. And then I looked it up, and most deodorants we use every day contain aluminum, parabens, and other harmful products that have been proven to link to cancer. Now, that's where Hug Me Deodorant by Bloom comes in. It's all natural, safe, sustainable, and it really, really works. Bloom cares about what we put into our bodies and on our bodies for that matter. And we should care too. Hug Me Deodorant by Bloom, that's B-L-U-M-E, is made with probiotics. And the probiotics encourage your body to make more good bacteria. And as a result, your body produces less bad bacteria. So BO doesn't exist. It solves the problem without just masking the symptoms. Totally amazing. Mainstream antiperspirants contain aluminum, which gets absorbed into the bloodstream and has been linked to cancer. And as I'm starting to give deodorant to my oldest, I don't want to give him that. I want to give him something that I feel good about. 
It's rated the best deodorant ever by New York Post. And there's so many other satisfied customers and they have a 30-day satisfaction guarantee that makes it totally comfortable for you to give Hug Me a try. Hug Me by Bloom keeps you feeling good, feeling fresh, and super huggable. And right now, our listeners will get 25% off their first stick and free shipping when you text EMP to 797979. This is a special offer you can't get anywhere else, and you can support Extraordinary Moms Podcast when you support our sponsors. So text EMP to 797979 to get 25% off your first stick of Hug Me deodorant. If you don't love it, return it for a full refund. No questions asked. Text EMP to 797979. Thanks so much to Bloom for sponsoring this show. Now let's get back to it. Something we've really been intentionally working on lately is, okay, so you make this decision. Is this the decision you're going to make? What are the consequences of doing or not doing the decision you're about to make? And, And helping him to walk through are those consequences worth it? Sometimes consequences are, are positive and some mm-hmm. are negative. And some are negative in a way that we're willing to accept that negative consequence. Maybe we, I mean, we do it, right? We stay up a little later. The consequence is we're a little more tired in the morning. But sometimes staying up later is worth it. And sometimes it's simply not. But when you can really weigh the consequences before making the decision or the potential consequences and acknowledging some consequences we have no control over or we can't really plan or expect, but we're willing to, to take what does come. It really provides more ownership. And it was so funny because we did that on a situation where it didn't end well for my son the other day and it just got you know heated for him and things. And so then there was another event where he was deciding to go or not go to something. So I said, okay, here's, you know, let's walk through what that might look like if he went or didn't go. He decided not to go. And about an hour into the event he didn't go to, he said, mom, I feel like you didn't explain all the consequences and now I'm super bored. He's like, I should have gone. <laughs> but that's the beauty because these are much smaller issues and he's learning on a much smaller scale. And so hopefully those little small experiences that, we're intentionally kind of planting and helping him to walk through now when he's 18 and about to graduate and about to leave the house. I can't even fathom, but are they equipped with the tools? So, so I'm curious for you, how much of your motherhood was kind of reactive or kind of come what may and what was intentional that you put into place? Cause I think we're a combination of, of both in our parenting, quite frankly. Yeah, I think we are a combination of both and um in, in everything really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's the part of me that was the let's just see what happens mode. And then there was definitely part of me that was being more purposeful and intentional and deliberate in what I was doing. Um, did I make the right choice as to what to put into what category? Who knows? But um I think earlier on I was definitely more let's just see what happens because I think I was more in a reactive mode and it was almost just like get me through the day just gotta get through the day get him to bed sit down (laughs) so the let's see what happens had to be had to probably be the overarching thought although you have to be intentional and deliberate in planning what you're putting in the diaper bag and meals and all that kind of stuff as they got older, I think it switches into you switch into a different mode and choices and decisions, I think, are more intentional and deliberate because they're looking for certain results. Mm-hmm. They themselves are looking for certain results and for certain things to happen. So 
guiding that decision-making process to be more intentional and deliberate takes more energy. I think it does take more energy. Mm -hmm. However, you kind of, you get what you want more often Mm. if you are purposeful and deliberate. So I would say I've become less reactive as time has gone on. Right. And we, I think we under acknowledge how much energy actually goes into putting out the fire versus how much energy that same energy could have been put into kind of preventing the fire in the first place or things like that. But I think it's also super duper important to point out when you said like, you're not sure if you put all the right intentions, like in the right buckets and things. I think it is so important to let go of the idea that even if we do properly put the right intention and teach the right things and parent, you know, the quote unquote right way, like our kids are still kids and they're still going to do what they're going to do. And it's not a reflection on how well or how horribly we misaligned our intentions and, and what we intentionally taught them or didn't. We can intentionally teach them all about sharing or all about driving safely and they still might make a different choice. But is that about us at all? No, but we put so much of that and I bet you're feeling that too. Mm-hmm. We put a lot of it on ourselves and you, you know, the saying is you can't control what the other person does. It's true. Mm-hmm. And you really can't control what your child's doing at preschool, even though you just read seven books on sharing, mm-hmm. yes. right? We don't, we can't control that. It's out of our control. And that, that goes for uh, throughout parenting, you know, from, yeah. from day one to now, at mm-hmm. least in my world. Yeah, for sure. And so, so much about what your work focuses on is that mental component, um, how much of our energy is being spent on certain thoughts and, and what's how that's impacting our life um, and our perceived lack of control about a situation when really we're in complete control of our thoughts and feelings about things. So will you explain a little bit about your background in this space and kind of the approach you have and the message that you're spreading in order to help people gain more of that control back? Sure. Um, so my background, I my degree is in psychology and communication way back when that seems like a hundred years ago, but that has carried, carried me through life in terms of, um, what I enjoy doing. So I do enjoy helping others figure out what's possible. Okay. So is, is it possible for you to work full time and have two little kids? Is it possible for you to not be interfering in every decision? So helping people think through that is what I love doing because we all become overwhelmed. We make decisions based on fear. um, And we all wish there were more hours in the day. So my work now focuses on um, helping people create the right thoughts they need to get the results they want ultimately. I would like that. So tell me, tell me how to do that. What is this framework um, that you live your life based on and that you teach other people how to do? Sure. So a lot, I have to give Brooke Castillo at the Life Coach School a little shout out. So um, a lot of this I learned from her, but in terms of how it relates to parenting, it's, it, it relates to parenting and it relates to everything else. So you have to kind of say to yourself, what are the facts in any situation? Okay. So attach no feeling to them. What are the facts? And they are neutral. So I often use the weather as a great example. So I don't know where you, well, you're probably in in a sunny place today. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's sunny at my house. Okay. Good. Okay. So we could say the fact is it's sunny outside. Mm -hmm. All right. Now we could think, 
wow, I'm so glad it's finally sunny and spring is here. I can't wait to be outside. Or we could think, oh my gosh, it's sunny and I'm stuck inside in front of my computer all day. Okay. So the fact is it's sunny. That didn't change. But the, but what I expressed were two different thoughts about that fact. What those different thoughts lead to are different feelings. So if we go with, I'm so happy it's sunny outside, your feeling is going to be excitement, perhaps, maybe, and then you're going to actually go outside and do something. Whereas if you go into the mode of, I can't believe I'm stuck inside all day, maybe your feeling is dread. And then that leads to an action of, or of staying inside and not even enjoying it. So feelings ultimately trigger our actions or our inactions, but the feelings are caused by the thought we have about the fact. It's only, it's five parts. It's not too complicated, but the, but the way the, the takeaway is think about how you're feeling and how that is causing you do or not do what's, what's happening. But ultimately that feeling though is caused by the thought, not the fact. Mm-hmm. I was actually just listening to an episode this morning. I forget the title, um, but one of Brooke's um, podcast episodes. And she talked about how there's a lot fewer facts in the world than we think. But there's just an overabundance of thoughts. Our interpretations are of something is unlimited. So the fact that it's sunny outside or it's rainy outside or whatever the actual true, boiling it down to the actual true statement that is everybody can agree upon, that's finite. That's limited. But the interpretation that leads to these thoughts and then the misinterpretation of we think that because we think a thought about something, that is fact. <laughs> and that gray, hazy line then causes miscommunications and misunderstandings because we are simply not acknowledging people interpret the world differently. And our kids interpret the world differently than we do. And our husband interprets the world differently than we do. And when we just even are willing to acknowledge that, like it's like a light bulb goes off and you have so much more compassion and room for other people's thoughts, opinions, and ultimately their actions, right? Right. And also, because something happens, um, the way we interpret it does not have to be the way our kids interpret it. So just this morning, I'll give you an example of this. So just this morning, I was talking to a client. She has um, two children. I think they're eight and three. And she's working four days a week. Um, she has an opportunity to move up in the ranks in her current organization. Um, it's, I like to say it was handed to her on a golden platter because it because it was handed to her on a golden platter. She's totally capable. She knows that uh, they, they wouldn't have offered it to her if she wasn't. But she is hesitating accepting it because she thinks in her head that the fact of the fact going back to facts, the fact of her being in this role will then creates the thought that she won't be available to her kids anymore, which then creates a a feeling of guilt and leads her to say, no, I don't want this opportunity. So she's acting out of total fear that her children will react in a way, but she doesn't know that that's not necessarily true. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
but when she we kind of boiled it down to the reality versus her thoughts that are not reality <laughs> it became clear what decision she should make so i think she's going to go for it ah. that but the, the her thoughts are not facts right right, right. so that that was like a light bulb moment for her and it also was a light bulb moment for her to realize that these thoughts she was having were creating a feeling that was causing her to say, no, I don't want to take this opportunity. And so, isn't that so crazy that an intelligent adult that is capable of getting a promotion, climbing a corporate ladder, whatever she's doing in her life, she's smart enough to do those things. And yet the simple definition of a thought versus a fact, like on paper, it's like, well, no, duh, right? But we're right. so it's so intertwined in our conditioning that the smartest, most intelligent people were just operating on default mode and being in that reactive mode, like we were talking about earlier. It's, it's also was really interesting that I said to her, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah. If you say yes, what's the worst thing that can happen? And you know, her initial answer, I was blown away. She said in two years, not tomorrow or two months in two years, if this doesn't work out, I'm not going to be able to go back to my old position because perhaps it will be taken. I said, okay, if in two years that's what happened, is that worse than not accepting this role now and, and playing it out and getting that experience? It was interesting to me that her brain was so far ahead of time, mm -hmm. two years from now, that that was the, that was the thought. Wow. And I, you know, but what's the worst thing that can happen? Ask yourself that a lot too. What is the worst thing that can happen? Right. And in two years out from anything, if you were to reflect back on where you were at a certain time two years ago, like, can you hardly even remember the things that you were afraid of? And most of us can probably say two years out from anything, I'm still standing. <laughs> things are okay. Things may not look perfectly or exactly as you thought they would, but is it bad? Most of us probably would say no. Most would say no. Also, I think what's the statistic? 99% of the, or 90% of the things we worry about never happen. Hey everyone, I know you are loving Andrea, but I wanted to pop in real quick and thank another show sponsor, and that is Eucora. So I have kind of another personal question. We just covered deodorant in the last ad. Now, my second question is, do you get a lot of UTIs? Ugh, so uncomfortable, but you are not alone. UTIs are the second most common infection in the US and half of all women get UTIs and one in five women struggle with recurring UTIs. So if you're one of those that have the constant recurring effect of UTIs, this product may be for you. If you're like me, you get UTIs, you know that cranberry juice is useless and taking too many antibiotics, not good. So what should you do? Try Eucora, the natural effective way to prevent UTIs. Eucora was developed using the best research available in collaboration with a team of physicians. They have a unique formula targeting the bacteria and enables you to safely flush bacteria out of your urinary tract, stopping UTIs before they start. Doesn't that sound great? You can try Eucora to break free from the endless cycle of UTIs. And actually, an interesting fact is that Eucora's founder actually struggled with UTIs herself, so she understands what it is like, and she wanted to create a solution for that. You can try Eucora, and if you aren't totally happy within 30 days, they'll give you your money back. So try Eucora risk-free for 30 days and say goodbye to UTIs. And right now, Eucora is offering 30% off when you text 
M-O-M-S, moms, to the number 484848. But hurry, because this is a limited time offer. Text MOMS to 484848 to get 30% off your order of Eucora. That's MOMS to 484848. Thanks again to Eucora for sponsoring the show, and I hope that product helps you out. Now let's get back to it with Andrea. So what I'm seeing a lot is some people know that the thought work could help them or they're not sure and so they just aren't willing to give it a try. What are you seeing as you work with other women in starting this type of thought work and really developing healthier mental habits? What's keeping people from doing it? I think it's um, it's comfortable to, be, to have inertia, to just stay where you are, to keep doing what you're doing day in and day out. And it's not comfortable to try something new to challenge yourself to be put in a new position I mean she even said that today in this conversation and I and I I said you know what this job entails in fact you've already done kind of half of it it's not going to be easy it will be a little bit uncomfortable but is that really a reason to not to not go for it it's well she said yeah but I know exactly what I'm doing in my role now hmm. Yeah, so it's comfortable to stay where you are. It's not comfortable to change. And so we quiet all of these feelings we have in ourselves. We like tell them to go away about what could be possible. Hmm. And what about the times in our life where there is discomfort and we wish things were different and we're still not willing to endure the discomfort of making a change to at least get you where you might want? to go that could be a place that that does provide more relief I think you have to decide that you are willing to feel uncomfortable for a while it's just it's a decision that you have to that you have to make I think in terms of parenting um, you have to decide if you have a teenager that you are staying out of all school related teacher discussions I mean, that's the decision. And that's uncomfortable because you're now on the sidelines. You're no longer in the, you're not sending emails Mm. and wondering and having conversations with teachers on your own. It's your kid's job to do that. When you've got little kids, it's uncomfortable to see them um, not excel in X, Y, and Z sport and Mm -hmm. decide that, you know what, I might not be in the NBA. Basketball isn't my thing. So these are all uncomfortable situations in, in, that they're microcosms of big world, bigger issues that you have to tackle and be uncomfortable with. Yeah, I love that. I think that's that's really important to realize there can be discomfort either way. Um, so choose. You get to make the yeah. choice. You're in charge of your life and and your thoughts and ultimately what happens because of what comes from those thoughts. I was doing a lot of thought work with my – we just moved in December – um, and we've moved a lot. So um, this last transition, though, has been hardest on my kids. And my first grader is the most vibrant, friendly, just wonderful, amazing, happy-go-lucky kid. And I figured that would help him to transition the very best. Um, but really, it was actually the hardest on him this time because he missed his old life and his old friends and the attention he got. And... Um, he he missed he missed that he missed feeling like he was fitting in and so there was a lot of anxiety that came 
from starting a new school and feeling surrounded by people but not feeling known and, you know, all of those types of things. And I could totally understand. I was feeling those same exact things in my own world and in my own context. And so we really worked on boiling down what he was feeling because the action was, I don't want to go to school in tears every single day. So then we had to back step. Okay, what is the feeling that you're feeling that, you know, about not going to school? I feel so nervous. I feel so worried. I feel so lonely. Okay, what are you thinking? I have no friends. Okay, what is true? Do you have friends to sit with? Are there kids around you? Okay, yes, there's kids in your class. Okay, there's a a boy that sits at your table that smiles at you every day when you walk in. That's a fact. Okay, what can you think about that? Huh, we could play on the playground together. And then suddenly he started, so first we had to go backwards, and then we started going back forwards, reconstructing the same exact fact that he was in first grade at the school. He was a new kid at the school. And then what could he think differently about it? And then ultimately it just unfolded that that confidence was built and he realized there was a lot of potential in the kids around him. And so I'm curious from you and your professional opinion, how do you help parents to to teach this to their children and, and to utilize this framework from a young age? Because here you are coaching adults who still, you know, grapple and I still grapple with, with this type of, of thought work and things. So obviously I didn't have that awareness when I was young. So imagine if, our kids did. So do you do this with your kids? And what have you seen as you've been helping them to gain this framework? Um, well, it sounds like you're doing a good job if you're breaking down the, the lunchroom situation. So kudos to you. <laughs> you. Um, I, I've seen, I've kind of gone to that feeling line as well with kids um, because that really, they can tell you how they feel in their feeling language is probably only eight or 10 words. It's not as expansive as our words we can use to describe feelings. But if you can get to that point, then you can tell, you can share with them a new thought that they, you could suggest a new thought that they could have that would give them a different feeling. Mm -hmm. But you kind of need to know what the feeling is before anything else. Um, As adults in parenting all of this, that brings up a whole other set of questions because my mom used to say, you're only as happy as your saddest child. Ooh. Which now I think that was a, that's a, that was a good piece of advice. I think it's kind of true, right? Mm. So if you've got a, someone sad, that affects you. Mm-hmm. You're because you feel for them. You have empathy. Mm-hmm. So, but knowing but the fact is, if you want to talk, if you think of it in this sense, the fact is that that child is sad or not, not wanting to go to school, that in itself is a fact in your world. Mm-hmm. And you get to choose what you want to think about that fact. Right? right? So if we kind of start out, okay, my child is unhappy, then what is my thought about that? Is my thought oh, I feel so bad for him, and then you feel badly? Mm -hmm. Or is it, I have the ability to help him get through this, which gives you some confidence to have difficult conversations. Right. And I knew he was lacking lacking that feeling of safety and security, and I knew I could provide that for him. So that was my goal. I couldn't control what was happening at the school, but I could control what is happening in our interactions and bolstering that and helping foster more of those feelings at home so that hopefully it could – 
he could choose that and know that that was still an option for him, even kind of in a sad season for him. Hey everyone, I wanted to pop in one last time and thank our other show sponsor, and that is Love Every. I've talked about it before, but Love Every is literally the best toy subscription box I know for babies and toddlers out there. Such great quality products, and I wanna tell you about this box that I just got for my niece that I'm absolutely obsessed with. So if you go on their website, loveevery.com, I got the toddler box called the Realist Play Kit, and there's a cute little lock box toy where they can play with chains and unhooking latches and locks and everything. Things are so, so well made. It came with balls, it came with a puzzle, a book, and it also comes with instruction of how to use these toys to interact with your kid in a way that is developmentally appropriate. And it really just gives parents so much extra support and guidance in how to interact with their child in a developmentally appropriate way. Every kit comes with science-backed, eco-friendly toys tailored to your child's stage of development. And every toy is beautifully designed so you don't have a bunch of junky toys cluttering up your living room. You can feel confident you're giving your littles a great start with toys from Love Every. For a limited time, Love Every is offering my listeners a special discount when you subscribe to the Play Kit. So just enter my code EMP at checkout and you'll get $15 off. That's $15 off your subscription at loveevery.com. I'm going to spell it L-O-V-E-V-E-R-Y.com with promo code EMP at checkout. Thank you so much, Love Every, for sponsoring the show and for creating toys that I love. The other thing is that with adults, our personal lives, our parenting lives, or our lives at home are so intertwined with our career or business or professional lives in 2019 because it's all we can connect with anyone at any time. Mm -hmm. So no longer is there a, a separation. So I like to say it's a big ball of yarn all tangled up inside your brain and untangling it and separating what's happening with your kids and your home world from your professional world is really challenging. Mm. Um, so I work a lot with people to try to help them untangle that and realize that there are solutions or results that they can gain in both areas and they don't have to always be so intertwined. And I would imagine a lot of our mental space is taken up with uh, bearing the burden of other people's thoughts and feelings. It's not even all our own, right? (laughs) Right. I mean, that that takes up a huge amount of time and energy and mental space. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, I was just, before we got on this call, doing some troubleshooting on a website. And the problem was we were almost at disk capacity. And we're at 90%. And it's like, what if we go over? What if we reach capacity? What's going to happen? And then we wanted to look at, is there any way to free up more disk space? So I think this really ties in really well because we identified there was there was four different files of backups of the website. So just copies of the website that are using up disk, disk space. So it's nearly 50% of that disk space was being used up by backups. How many times are we backing up events in our life or backing up, mulling over, you know, what's going on with our kids or things and we're just piling the same negative or not serving thoughts, feelings, events, and it's just using up that disk space in a way that, yeah, you're going to hit capacity. 
And we've all yeah. been there, right? And so how do you suggest we kind of break that down and identify the areas in our brain where it's redundant disk space being used, it's not productive disk space being used, things like that. How do we free that space up so that we don't feel we're on the brink of being overfilled? So we do have a lot of limiting beliefs and repeating thought patterns, mm -hmm. you know, things that happen over and over and go on over and over in our heads. So mm -hmm. I always say you've got to put some tools in your toolbox to help you address that. The first, though, is the first thing to do is just awareness. So recognizing like you just recognized how many copies were of mm -hmm. the website were on yep. there. OK, yes. Aware. Okay. OK, now what do I do? So. Say to yourself, am I still holding thoughts and feelings from two years ago? Talk about two years. Mm -hmm. Is that taking up space in there? Do I need that anymore? Mm -hmm. Probably not. Okay, probably not. A lot of times, you know, people say that person's stuck in their past, for example, or she keeps talking about the past. That is a problem because it's not allowing you to live in the present and the future. Mm -hmm. If you're stuck, if you're holding space from past events. So be aware is okay. number one. Okay. Before we move on to the next step, that makes me think sometimes things originally take up a lot of space and then we can consolidate them to take up less space. So even if there's something that has been a really pivotal event of your past or relationship or something that is a huge part of your story, we're not trying to say like delete it and just move on, but what if you could consolidate it into the lesson that was learned from it versus rehashing all the details and reinterpreting and refeeling it every single day of your life. What if you could boil it down to what you actually need it for as part of your story, what you learned from it and have it only take up as much space as it needs to. And, but being really honest about how much space should it take up? Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, I think it is. I okay. think say to yourself, what's the bottom line? Okay. Okay. What's the bottom line? What happened? What was the ultimate result of X, Y, and Z? Mm -hmm. Is that worth, should I, is that worth saving? Should I save that part? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But usually it's not worth saving all the ins and outs and little details that we were talking about while whatever was going on. Yeah. So should I compress? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, computers? yeah. Compress the should file. I compress yeah. the file. <laughs> And, and what do I need to save? Usually it's just the bottom line, the end result and the lesson learned. Okay. Love it. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. Keep going. So that was number one. All right. Number two. All right. So, you, so you've got your awareness. Mm -hmm. Then you need to say to yourself, okay, how am I going to move forward from here? How am I going to quiet these little voices inside my head that keep telling me the same things over and over again? Mm. So that involves creating new thoughts okay so that gets into some of the thought work creating the new thoughts that are going to lead to new feelings okay love it I'd say that's two and three is practicing so mm. just like your child is on a soccer team and goes to practice mm -hmm. and then when it's game day things come more naturally because they have practiced mm -hmm. same thing in the adult world a lot of times my clients come to me with lack of confidence um, in, in a professional setting or in helping their business grow. Like, why would anyone want their services? You know, am I crazy? Mm -hmm. And that's a confidence issue. And the way to address that is to practice, is to put yourself out there. It has to be out there in the world and you have to be actively talking to people, 
sharing your thoughts and ideas or product, it's practice. Hmm. Right. So, And we're so patient with our kids, driving them to practice, cheering them on as they're running and falling and getting back up again. We just need that same grace and space and patience with ourselves, right? And and we would offer that to a friend who's struggling. But where is it for ourselves? Excellent question. It's hard to give that to yourself, yeah. that opportunity. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity, yeah. It's an opportunity to learn. Um, and again, what's the worst thing that could happen, mm. right? right? So give yourself that opportunity. Give yourself that thinking space to practice the new thoughts that you need in order to create better, not necessarily positive, but better or feelings that are going to get you the result you're looking for. Mm. Oh, I love that. This has just been so thought-provoking and... I love hearing the things that I'm kind of on the right track with and then having some new food for thought of things to think differently about and and try on. And if any of this is new to you, if you're listening and you're like, I don't even know where to start or whatever, just try it on. Try on one, think about one thing that's going less than optimally in your life and kind of backtrack. What are you thinking about it? Or what are you feeling about it? What are you thinking about it? And then what's the actual fact? And then rewrite that. You have, you have that control. Where can people find you if they want more information about this type of work? Um, they can go to my website, which is andrealibros.com, A-N-D-R-E-A-L-I-E-B as in boy, R-O-S-S.com. Mm -hmm. And I'd be happy to talk to anyone. There's a button there. They can schedule a call and we can chat and see if, okay. see if I might be able to help them. But, it's, yeah, it seems so overwhelming it, at first, but it does get fun. Like the more that I've been diving into this and everything, like the more fulfilling it is. And ultimately when the, when the actions that I'm taking start to allow me to lead the life that I really want to live, they're like, well, wow, that was worth it. It actually wasn't. Any discomfort was totally worth it. So it becomes really rewarding. It becomes so rewarding. Yeah. It's, it's, um, when you see someone make some progress or just feel yeah. better about themselves, right? It's, it's definitely, it's definitely worth it, but they have to put in the work. So I, I and I think it's worth it. I do too. I do too. And I hope that if you will just try on one of these ideas today, that you'll start to see that it's worth it too. Andrea, I always ask my guests three final questions. And the first is, what would you say is your purpose? I think my purpose at this point is to help people uh, think more clearly and to guide them to figure that out themselves. So just ask the right questions mm -hmm. so that others can have more insight as to who they are, what they're looking for, and what they need too. Love it. What makes you smile? What makes me smile? Um, I'd say in a professional sense, what makes me smile is seeing my clients smile and ah. seeing them have those aha moments. Um, and recognize that they can do it. It is possible, mm. whatever that is, whatever whatever they're working towards. Personally, um, you know, my kids do make me smile, and my husband makes me smile too, but seeing them do something that they've practiced, actually, mm. 
um, really makes me smile. I'll share this super quick story. My son sings and performs vocally and they're, they, he's in a class where they have to perform on a stage in a huge auditorium in downtown Indianapolis. And the, the teacher got up and said, if your child can be up here performing in front of this audience, having practiced and practiced and, and now doing it really well, they can be the CEO of a company because this takes practice and confidence and courage. So that kind of stuck with me and that really did make me smile. And mm-hmm. in that thought process, like we talk about older kids, that's seeing an older kid um, practice something, be successful and, and then have the thought of how that could carry them through life. I love that. That's amazing. Is he doing anything vocally in college or or after high school? That is up for debate. Who knows? The world (laughs) is his oyster. We we will see what happens. There's a lot of choices out there. Oh, amazing. That's so awesome. And the final question, Andrea, is really based around the mission of this podcast. I want everyone to realize how extraordinary they truly are exactly as they are and where they are at this exact moment. We're talking a lot about self-improvement and things, but really what makes you extraordinary is just innately who you are and how you're contributing to your family, to your neighbors, to the world around you. And it doesn't have to be done in big ways. And when we can really acknowledge the ways that we are truly extraordinarily made, we can do so much more with what we've been given. And so I want people to be able to acknowledge that. So Andrea, I want to know for you, what makes you extraordinary? I, um... I feel as if I have a gift to be pretty direct and to help people um, recognize what, again, what's possible. And I, I do, sometimes that can be, a, I can look at it both ways, but I do feel like that is, that's a gift that I have to kind of tell it like it is, unfortunately or fortunately. I think I don't that know. is an awesome <laughs> answer. I think that is so wonderful because for so many people who are direct, they might just think, well, this is just how I am. They might not view it as something that actually makes them awesome, right? And when we can use it to our advantage versus using it in a more negative way, which most of our superpowers are our biggest strengths and can be our biggest hindrances if you really look objectively at them. Um, And so when you can value them and use them for good, yeah, I think that's an awesome answer. Fantastic. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, sharing about your motherhood journey and the work you've been doing. I am so on board and just love it so much. So thank you for sharing. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. I hope you loved that interview with Andrea as much as I did. So, so much food for thought. And just even that idea of the disk drive of your mind and is there any files you can compress? Is there any way to... I talked about this in a later episode that hasn't aired yet, but close some of the tabs of your mind that are just taking up your energy and sucking the life out of you and sucking the, sucking the battery out of you and you don't even realize it. So just taking a look at, at how you're allocating your the resource of your mind on a day-to-day basis can really be eye-opening and educational and helpful when it comes to making sure you're prioritizing what needs to be prioritized and taking care of yourself. Thanks, Andrea, for coming on the show. If you want to see more of Andrea or you want linked to anything we talked about in the podcast today, you can do that at um, extraordinarymomspodcast.com. I'm over on Instagram at jessicadalkwas3. I'm on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm having a hard time talking today, but I'm just going to keep rolling with it. 
hope everyone has a great day, everybody. And we will see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye.